What we just heard in the book of Proverbs is a very poetic invitation by wisdom um, to heed her instruction in order to live a good life. You know, I'm always amazed by this congregation, the uh, anointing of wisdom that's on, this, that's on this church, that's on many of you. And so this sermon might just be for me because uh, I need more wisdom than anybody. But um, hopefully there's something that God will show you uh, in this word. Uh, so in this poetry, wisdom is described as this woman who's standing at the city gates, uh, standing at the crossroads. In our time today, uh, you might picture somebody standing at the mall by the food court where everybody goes and, and calling out to people and inviting them to listen. And if you read the book of Proverbs, wisdom is the key to the good life. That when we embrace the wisdom of God, um, we have as a side effect prospering, health, wealth, peace. Like everything we want out of life, we can have through wisdom. And in contrast, much of the suffering, the lack of success, the difficulties of life are through a rejection of wisdom. So wi wisdom is really important. You know, I, wisdom is more important than silver or gold, than fine jewelry. Wisdom is more important than any thing, any material wealth you could hope to acquire in this life. Wisdom is better because wisdom can lead you to all the things that are good in life, but it doesn't bring trouble with it as so much of other things in life uh, they do. So as I, was, as I was studying this passage, one thing that struck me was that we could have a very simple definition of wisdom that goes something like this. Wisdom is simply the respecting of the boundaries, limitations, and the order that God has built into the universe. Like, because you know, wisdom is kind of this vague concept, right? Wisdom is simply just respecting the boundaries, limitations, and the order that God has built into the universe. Respecting that, understanding that, living by that. If you look at uh, verses 27 through 29, wisdom is describing how she was there at the beginning of creation. She says, I was there when he, and notice what God does, when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed, fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Wisdom is saying, I was there when God did all that. And in fact, um, not only was wisdom there, wisdom is described as a master craftsman that was helping God through the creation of the world. And in fact, wisdom is also described as the first thing God created before God created 
the universe. Before the Big Bang, you know, in that, in that great silence, in that vast nothingness of the void, God created wisdom as the firstborn. Before the Big Bang, before a single atom was birthed into reality, God created wisdom. And it was with wisdom and through wisdom that God began to form things, form, uh, form the shapelessness of the void. It was through wisdom that God began to set boundaries and limitations for the water to say, you know, we have a beach today because of wisdom. Thank God. We uh, had a nice walk at the beach yesterday with a few of the church people. And it's just amazing what we have in Los Angeles, uh, that we have this amazing coastline. And something about the beach, something about the ocean, when you're there by the water, I just feel closer to God for some reason. And um, a lot of times uh, in LA, we just forget that we live surrounded by the beauty of God's creation because so much of our time is spent in the concrete jungle of our creation, right? So much of our time is spent on freeways and in office buildings that we forget that there is nature around us. But one thing I really appreciate about this hiking group that we've had for months now is that we've got to go to various points in our city, Palisades, uh, Will Rogers, and, and from these vantage points, you can see the whole city. You can see Malibu to downtown, the mountains and the ocean, the amazing clouds, the sky, and, and you realize there's so much beauty in Los Angeles, and that beauty is created through the wisdom of God. That beauty exists because God created boundaries and limits and order out of chaos. Uh, when I was a young boy, you know, I would sometimes rebel against boundaries. You ever go through a rebellious phase? Some of you, I know you did, because you're still rebellious now. So I don't even know what you were like at 13, but um, yeah, I, I went through my phase. Like, uh, I'm a pastor's kid, along with my sister sitting there. Uh, we were pastor's kids. And, um, you know, I remember vividly going to church some days when I was like in first grade, second grade, and um, not wanting to go to Sunday school. And, uh, but, you know, our family was the pastor's family, so we went to church every week. We never missed a Sunday. I don't care if it was hailing, blizzarding, if I was dying, it didn't matter. Uh, we were going to church, and so we went to church every week, and sometimes, you know, I just didn't feel like going to Sunday school. So I have vivid memories of there's this big tree at church, and uh, sometimes in the confusion of everybody gathering for worship, I would climb that tree, and uh, people wouldn't see that I'd climb, climb that tree, and I, and I would stay there for an hour uh, until church was over. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I was not a rebellious kid in general. I was a model student at school, but something at church, you know, the, the expectation, the, the, the boundaries, the limits of being stuck in, in class on a beautiful Sunday. This was in San Diego, like 350 days of sunshine. 
and just being in a class did not sit well with me on a Sunday. And so I would just climb a tree and I'd be invisible for an hour. And I'd just sit there in the tree and, and I'd see my teachers looking for me. And uh, I'd just get a big laugh out of that. Uh, I'm not saying that that was a good thing to do. I'm just saying that I think like deep in all of us, there is this like tendency to chafe against boundaries, right? Expectations, limitations. Even if it's non-destructive, you may, may, maybe uh, you have a dress code at school or at work, and, but you want to kind of like, you know, subvert that in harmless ways, like you dye your hair a certain color or you kind of spice up your school uniform just a little bit. And there's this tendency in all of us to not want to be limited and bound and told what to do. And, and I think that's natural. And sometimes it's healthy because some of the boundaries that we live with in, in life are human boundaries. They're, they're not from God, they're from people. And so some of these boundaries and limitations and expectations and order might not be necessarily necessary. But it can also be unhealthy where we chafe against the limitations that are good. And so some of us will try to subvert these expectations and limitations in, in illegal ways. That's when you're, when you're rebelling and defying good and just and sensible laws, that's, that's uh, the essence of, of, of criminal behavior, whether it's stealing or committing fraud uh, there's moral expectations that people chafe against. Fidelity in marriage. And so sometimes uh, we cheat. We might cheat on a spouse. We might, or, or we might cheat on taxes, or we might cheat on our exams. But there's this tendency, isn't there, in, hum in human beings in general, but in each of us in some way, to chafe against any kind of boundary, any kind of limitation, any kind of ordering of our lives. And, and it can be to our harm, and it can be to other people's harms. Especially when the boundaries and order is made by God. When God created that and we violate that, um, then there are consequences. There are bad consequences. Uh, the, uh, the, you know, in Proverbs 9 and 10, there's another woman, and this is not, please don't take this as a sexist thing. It is sexist, but women are portrayed as both wisdom and folly. But folly is described as an unruly woman. Uh, wisdom is described as this creative principle of the universe, but folly is called an unruly woman. And this is not to say anything about women in general, but it's just a poetic device. Um, but an unruly person is somebody who is unwilling to be ruled, somebody who is unwilling to submit to good rules. So do you see the difference between wisdom and folly? At a very basic and simple level, wisdom is the willingness to submit to God's rules, to God's creation, his boundaries. Folly is this rebelling and chafing and rejecting and resisting against 
the boundaries, limits, and order that God has created. Um, just some examples, practically. You guys know the story of creation? Some of you, many of you. Who knows the first thing God created? What did God create on the first day? Anybody know? Light. Yes, light. God created light on the first day. Um, but if you look further in that verse, He doesn't only create light. It says, He created light, saw that it was good, and He separated light from dark. And then He, he created night and day. And so, on the first day, God invented day. The concept of day and the concept of night. Day and night are built into the universe. It's not something that we choose. Like, we can't say, no, I don't believe in night. You cannot believe in it. It's, it, it believes in you, though, when you get sleepy. But if you look at what God does, it says God... Uh, created light. He saw that it was good. He called the light day and the night night, or the dark night. And, that was the, and then it says there was evening and there was morning the first day. So what's happening there is that God works in the day. And His work is creation. He, he speaks light. He, he calls dark night. He works during the day and then in the evening and morning there's no mention of work. You see that? So built into the very schedule of a 24-hour day, there is this natural activity of work during the day and then this ceasing to work. What we know as rest. That's what rest is. It's just ceasing, stopping from work. There's this stopping from work and there's this rejoicing over a good day's work where God says, I, I call this good. And there was evening, and there was, there was morning. And, um, and so what do we do today is we invented electricity so that it's light 24 hours a day. And uh, we work all day and all night. We work at night. We don't take time to enjoy what the fruit of our labor has been to celebrate and to rejoice. And, and so we're working when we get up in the morning and we're, we're working all throughout the day and we're working in the evenings even when we get home and we're working until we drop, drop you know, dead asleep. And then we get up and do it again. And, and, and this kind of a lifestyle and schedule, what is it? It is a reject. It's a rejection of a God-ordained boundary. The boundary between day and night. There, there was a clear boundary God created. Light is day. Dark is night. Work during the light. Celebrate. Rejoice. Sleep. Rest at night. That is built in to our solar system. And yet, through the persistent and consistent defying and rejection of that built-in boundary, what do we do? We, we suffer, don't we? 
We suffer from stress. Stress causes a host of health problems, mental problems. Uh, we suffer in our relationships. We suffer in our sleep. We, we do this to ourselves. We suffer when we violate what God has ordained. Um, in Psalm 127, verse 2, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For He grants sleep to those He loves. Favorite, favorite verse in the Bible. He grants sleep to those He loves. In vain you get up early. In vain you stay up late. Yes, you might get ahead for a season. And sometimes you do need to pull an all-nighter. <laughs> I've pulled my share in college. But that should not be the consistent experience of our life. Because ultimately, it's vain because it, it won't get us ahead in the long run. The same schedule is built into the creation of the week. Six days, God worked in creation. And on the seventh day, He rested. That's built into the creation. It's not, it's not arbitrary. And um, we're not legalists anymore. As Christians, we, we, we believe in Jesus and we follow the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God instructs us and guide us, guides us. But the Word is about Jesus. It's, it's no longer uh, rules and regulations that we're bound by. And yet, <clears throat> if, this is a, is, if this is a limitation boundary schedule that's built into the universe, then we violate it to our own harm. When we don't respect the, the boundary of a six-day work week and a day of rest, that also takes a toll on us. I always uh, respect, like, there's this... Um, this uh, web, there, there's a store called B&H Photo Video. You guys ever heard of that? They're based in New York. I sometimes buy stuff from them, and, and they're run uh, by, by Jewish people, but they take a Sabbath. Like, the store takes a Sabbath. Like, sometimes I'm, on Saturday, I try to buy something, and they're like, you can't buy anything right now, <laughs> not until evening on Saturday, uh, because they're taking a day of rest, their employees are taking a day of rest, and they're forcing the consumers to take a day of rest. And they're growing. They're not hurting. They're not hurting for business. We think we're losing out when we take a day off. But in actuality, in the long run, it's productive. So there's, there's so much wisdom that we disregard that's built into the universe. Wisdom is, is the principle of creation. Wisdom is like, it's almost like the operating system of a computer. Like, it, it's behind everything. When you go to the beach, and if you pay attention, you could see wisdom. When you go to the mountains and you pay attention, you can see the wisdom of God. When you notice the seasons, you can notice the wisdom of God. When you look at the human body, when you look at uh, nature, the, the, the produce of, of the earth, you can see the wisdom of God. And, and everywhere in creation, God has built in 
His wisdom. And when we respect it, we prosper. When we reject it, we suffer. Think about food, right? Um, God created uh, plants and animals for us to, to eat and to sustain life. But human beings, we're always trying to uh, find ways around the limitations and boundaries of nature, right? Uh, I, like, I like the taste of white rice. I prefer the taste of white rice to brown rice. But brown rice is healthier because, because it's, more, it's closer to the way that it is in nature, the way that God intended. What do we like to do? We like to find, we like to take a food that's natural, like a fruit, and we like to figure out, okay, what's, what's the tastiest part of this fruit? And it's the sugar. And so we, we remove the boundary of the fruit, the limitation of the fruit, and we extract the sugar, and then we, we just eat the sugar because that's what we like. And what does that do? That destroys our bodies. Everywhere you can see this principle at work is that when we, when we respect the boundaries and limitations that God has put in place in creation, we prosper. When we reject it, we suffer. Um, so, I don't know if that's enough motivation for us to pursue wisdom, <laughs> but it should be, but I know that it's hard. I know it's hard to submit to anything. It's hard to submit to God. It's hard to submit to wisdom. And I feel like what God is saying to us is like, look, many of you are suffering because you've rejected the boundaries and limitations I've set up for you. Boundaries and limitations that are created for health, for, for prospering. And what God is calling us to today, what God is calling you and me to is to come to a place of surrender to the limitations and boundaries and the order that God has created for us in our schedule, in our work, in our finances, in our eating. God is inviting us. Wisdom is inviting us and saying, listen to me. Listen to me. Learn from me. If you do, you'll prosper. Some of us think that boundaries and limitations and order, like those words, right? We think we couldn't think of more boring words than boundaries, limitations, and order. Uh, I'm a very fun-loving person, so uh, even the sound of those words is, is um, it's offensive to me in some way. But it, do, it, it doesn't have to be... So, so following a life of wisdom, we think it's going to be boring. We think it's going to be limiting. We think it's going to be stifling of our creative expression, right? But it's actually the opposite. If you look at Proverbs 8.30 and 31, it says, Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. 
The word rejoicing can also be translated laughing, like at a joke. Did you know that laughter was God's idea? That, that wisdom laughed at creation. It could also mean play. That wisdom was playing with God at creation. Have you ever created something like done a project and felt like you were having the time of your life? You were so sucked into it and engrossed in it. Like you, the time just flew by. And it was fun, right? It's fun to create. It's fun to make. And, and creation was laughing with God in the beginning. We think wisdom is going to make life boring. Wisdom makes life fun. Wisdom, uh, wisdom created jokes. God is a God of laughter. How do I know this? And this is going to be a bit inappropriate, but the fact that people expel gas and that God created us to do that, that, that is proof to me that God has a sense of humor. Because there's no reason why he created us to expel gas. You could be the queen of England and you still expel gas. You could be the most dignified and discreet person on the, on the face of the planet. And maybe you only do it in the privacy of your, your own room. And God bless you if you do, but you still expel gas. And it's funny. It's funny. I don't care who you are. You expel gas in my presence, I will laugh at you. Uh, because it's just funny. And, and I feel like it's just involuntarily funny. I feel like people, like tribes in the Amazon are laughing when, when people expel gas. It's just universal. And so that's how I know God has a sense of humor. That's, wisdom was laughing with God at mankind. It's probably because they were inventing gas. But uh, wisdom is fun. Limitations don't stifle creativity. Limitations actually enhance creativity. I've, I've seen like amazing works of art. I saw one work of art where a guy was, was drawing on floating pieces of ice, like broken up floating pieces of ice in the Arctic. And he just used charcoal and water and he would create these amazing illustrations. Three ingredients, ice, charcoal, water. You might say those are limitations. You might say those are boundaries, but, but, but this person was able to, with those limitations, create works of extraordinary beauty, unique, inventive works of art. Um, even the most chaotic seeming art, you know, art that seems like it's breaking all the rules and, and flouting all boundaries, even that type of art, like a Jackson Pollock painting. Have you guys ever seen a Jackson Pollock painting? Do I have a picture of that? Oh yeah, okay. So this one's called Convergence. And, and at first you might think, well, I could have done that. But no, you couldn't have. You could not, I could not have created anything like this to sell for millions of dollars. Because as chaotic as it looks as much as, as much as it just looks like somebody just chucked a bunch of paint, if you understand his process, he was leveraging randomness, the randomness of splatter, paint splatter, in very intentional ways. He was extremely intentional and purposeful 
and, and spontaneous, but, but, but reacting spontaneously to what he was seeing, the patterns, and, and, and allowing his expression to come forth in ordered ways. Even in the most chaotic creation, there is order, there is intention, there are boundaries, there are limitations. He, he's purposely chosen the colors. He's limited himself to the colors. He's limited himself to the amount of paint. Because uh, contrary to what people think that, oh, to be creative, you've got to be limitless. To be creative, you've got to be boundaryless. But that's not true. Beauty comes from order. Beauty comes from shape. Beauty comes when, when you take a mass of rock and you start cutting into it in intentional ways, in ways that are speaking to people and creating meaning. You know, I love watching movies. My, my favorite movie of all time is The Princess Bride, which tells you a lot about me. Uh, you might hate that movie. To me, it's like the perfect movie. You guys have like a perfect movie? You have a movie like, what I mean by a perfect movie is like a movie that I could not change a thing and make it better. To me, that's The Princess Bride. From the opening scene to the closing scene, the music, the dialogue, the jokes, the performances, uh, the, the actors, uh, everything about that movie to me was like, man, that was a masterpiece. Like I could not change a thing. And, and to me, that's because there was so much intentionality and ordering and boundary setting and, um, and limiting. Contrast to that to a movie I recently saw that I just could not understand, uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore, uh, Fantastic Beasts. I, I watched that movie and I was like, man, this is a beautiful movie, but I have no idea what's happening. And I don't know why it's happening. Like, why are they doing that? Why are they saying that? I just did not get it. And um, I just didn't sense an ordering, a limiting, a boundary setting that made sense to me. So if you, want, if you really want to be creative, if you really want to produce work that, that is life-giving and meaningful and that touches people, embrace boundaries limitations, and order. Even if you're not an artist, if you want to do work like that, that is meaningful in whatever industry you're in, and if you want to be at the top of your field, it's not about being this creative, like, oh, I, I don't respect boundaries, I have no limits, I'm just do whatever I want. That doesn't help anybody. That's just chaos. If you want to produce things that give life, that's what creation is, right, creativity. It's, it's making things that give life. If you want to create life-giving work, uh, life-giving art, life-giving industry, embrace wisdom, the wisdom of God, the boundaries, the limitations, and orders. Discover what those are and embrace them. You want to you create the next great startup? Don't just create something that Sounds cool because nobody's ever done it before. Don't just be an innovative for the sake of innovation. You know, solve a problem. 
that we're facing in our world. Like, help us with the energy crisis, you know? <laughs> Invent some, something like clean energy that respects the boundaries, the limitations of our natural res resources. Do something with that. Creativity, productivity, the good life, prosperity. Wisdom is the key to all of that. And a simple definition of wisdom, respect the boundaries, limitations, and the order that God has created in the world. Or you can do what folly does and say, I'm going to do whatever I want and not listen to anybody and, and there's no boundaries for me, there's no limits for me. Okay, try that. Maybe you'll raise some funding for your weird idea. <laughs> Maybe some people will buy your stuff. But you're not going to create anything life-giving that, that speaks to people and that blesses people. You can only do that when you respect the wisdom of God. Let's pray. God, I, I repent for myself because so many times I want to do things my own way without any regard for the principles that you've built into the way things work in, in your world, not necessarily in our world, but in your world. Whether it's, whether it's I don't respect the rhythms of a day, the rhythms of a week, whether I don't respect the limitations of my own body, the needs I have for rest and sleep, whether I try to exploit the food sources of the world that, so that I'm satisfying my cravings but not my nutritional needs, or whether I'm not respecting um, just, just the limitations you've created in, in, in the resources of the world, where I'm where I'm overusing the resources in a way that other people are having less. Lord, in all these ways and more that I don't understand, I know that I and, and, and others may feel like we have not lived with wisdom. And, and so right now in this moment, we just ask for your mercy, your forgiveness, and we receive your grace. And, and we ask that you would teach us how to be wise that you would teach us how to surrender and submit to your leadership in our lives, that life isn't, isn't about just living any way we want, but living in a way that is in alignment and agreement with your ways, your purposes, your creation. And I pray for our church that as we do that, as we surrender and submit, that you would allow us to create and produce the most beautiful, life-giving work that the world has seen yet, that out of this congregation that you would produce and, and nurture and empower artists and leaders of industry and leaders of, of businesses and corporations and leaders of government, that you would raise up uh, people that would influence society, that would be a blessing to society, not because they do whatever they want, but because they've surrendered to what you want in their lives, in their field. And that through people like them, 
all over the world, that, that you would begin to turn around the trajectory of society, which has been going downward for a while. But Lord, I don't give up and I don't lose hope because you're still God and you're still in control. So, so bless us to be part of a, a reordering of the world, not in a sense of control and, and stifling, but in a sense of, of, of health and wholeness and prosperity and, and, uh, and an unleashing of creativity that gives life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite us to continue to reflect, continue to be in a prayerful uh, mode, but let's sing together this song of response.